listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 55 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Justin Schwartz and I'm alongside Liam Baum. And it's episode 55. A couple of weeks back, it was episode 53. Made it to episode 55 now. Been on a little bit of a roll. You know, it's it's the off season, but there's still a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton to talk about. And um, we're going to keep it going. We're going to keep it going. There's still content. And um, look, just off the top of the show here, I'll put it on the template so you guys will be able to see that a little bit more clear. But make sure to follow the socials. We're really, really active right now. Instagram, Twitter, and more specifically, TikTok. We're doing a bunch of fun games, a few interactive things. So again, feel free to check that out. But today, we're going to be shifting our focus a little bit away from the draft, away from the playoffs, and focusing a little bit more on free agency. Now, free agency every year is a hot topic. and I'm going to throw it out to you, Liam, in a second here. But free agency is a hot topic because... I think teams and you know the, the the public have a very strong opinion on building your team through free agency. And most teams disagree with that method, but we can also both agree that it doesn't hurt to go out and find some free agency steals. So we're going to be talking about the bigger free agency names today. We're going to select a few. Might lead us to some different conversations. It's going to be a relatively short episode. But let's start it off with the Montreal Canadiens because I feel like Liam, we haven't talked much about the Canadiens in the past couple of weeks, have we? Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of players that are coming off the books for Montreal, and a couple notable names that uh, you know we'll get into. Yeah, and and look, I think I think it's interesting for Montreal because they're not in a position whatsoever to build through free agency, let alone add key pieces through free agency, and. I talked about this on episode 53, but Kent Hughes made it very clear that he's not going to go out and pick up guys that are going to be for the short term. And I think most of the time we can agree that free agency is used for the short term, unless you're going after a big name UFA who was just recently an RFA, right? But in this case, there's not too many guys that are, I'll call, I'll, I'll say worth going out and giving lengthy contracts to, especially lucrative contracts to. But in Montreal's case, they have a couple expiring UFAs, one being Sean Monahan, the other being Jonathan Drouet. Now, one was kind of, I won't call it a reclamation project, but I'll call it a project that had very little risk attached, considering they had gotten their 2025 20, conditional first round pick. A lot of conditions with that pick, but we'll take it. But Sean Monahan was a, an interesting case because we thought that we the Montreal Canadiens would be able to flip him at the deadline and acquire a few assets to then go into a stronger position into the offseason. But unfortunately, well, I won't say unfortunately, but they ended up holding on to him. What do you think the next move is for Sean Monaghan moving into free agency right now, Liam? Um, Just off the top of my head, I think like a team that comes to mind, or I'll, I'll just describe the situation that a team has that would want him. And I'd say, you know, a need for a third-line center. and. Uh, you know, also a power play player, maybe a PP2 guy who can move the puck well, has good vision. And 
you know, just plays well alongside other good players. Like, let's not forget, just a few years ago, Sean Monahan had, what was it, 70, 80 points? Something around that. And unfortunately, he uh, didn't have a great situation in Calgary and got riddled with injury. But, you know, a team that comes to mind would be Colorado. They have Alex Newhook currently as their second-line center. And, you know, he's still a work in progress. He's looking good. But I think a player like Sean Monaghan can step into that role and be that second-line center or third-line center and, you know, allow Newhook to grow and get Colorado back to a higher placement or higher standard in the playoffs. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I think that was probably the team that I had off the top of my head as well. Um, I think it's an easy fit because like you said, right, you're you're set with McKinnon at 1C and you have New Hook at 2C right now. And obviously he's a great aspiring talent in this league. There's no doubt about that. But he struggled significantly last season and especially in the faceoff dot, especially with his responsibility as a center. So I think if you could bring in a guy like Sean Monahan, who clearly before he got injured last year with Montreal was having a pretty decent season and was proving to or showing some of the shades that he had prior um, you know, throughout his career in Montreal, that could be something that can be a great, great fit in Colorado and set up nicely um, for that transition for, for Alex Newhook. Now, look, I think that there's a few teams around the league that could benefit from a guy like Monaghan, but let's not forget that there's still going to be some sort of a paying price. Now, look, we could speculate all we, all we want, right? And it's a question of what the market is set at which team is going to be the first one to set the market, depending on which free agency comes off the board, uh, free agent player, excuse me, comes off the board. But what can you, what can you see as, you know, a guesstimate for Sean Monaghan on a, on an AAV level? Let's not talk about years. Let's talk about on an AAV level. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. It's just, I think it's kind of hard to predict at this moment, what it's going to be, what the term is going to be just because, you know, he he started the season really well off with the Habs and it was looking very positive that he was going to get moved at the deadline for something, you know, of some significance, right? But, um, you know, he missed half the season, basically, maybe more. And, uh, you know, it's just hard to evaluate a player's worth when he hasn't played in in 50 games and he's coming into a new season off a pretty serious injury. But all that to say... I think we can see in the range of, I don't want to overvalue him, but I think he could make around $4 million. Okay. Yeah, I think I think if I'm being honest, I would have probably shot somewhere between, right, like the between the two and four, right? Mm-hmm. I know that's a relatively large gap. You're looking at a $2 million gap, but I could see, I think it also depends heavily on term, right? If you're looking at a one-year contract for a guy like Sean Monaghan, you could see him, you know, settling for a two and a half, three million dollar number to center a third line. But again, it's gonna be it's gonna be based on fit. It's gonna be based on team need. It's gonna be based on the market. Like I said, it's gonna be it, there's there's players, and we'll get to them soon that are gonna set this market right off the bat. Now, I think we can make and and you know what? I don't want I don't want to throw this out the window completely. Do you think that there's any possibility that he re-signs in Montreal for a very, very cheap deal because he enjoys it and because he thinks that it's a right, it's the right fit? I definitely think that. I, I think Montreal could also use 
some veteran presence, which which they do have. But I just felt like Monaghan just played great and, and, and just overall looked great in Montreal. So I, I really wouldn't be surprised if Ken Hughes offered him a contract in you know the two to three year range and he just sticks around for a little bit. But I think he's also looking for you know, a new home kind of a, a new place where he can excel in because I don't think Sean Monaghan is done. I think he's still got a lot left and, you know, he's not one of the free agents that's on the older side and his career's, you know, coming to an end soon. So, you know, again, it, it's hard to say, but I think Montreal could go after him again. And, you know, frankly, I, I believe he deserves it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And look, let's let's move on to our next free agent, uh, Montreal free agent specifically, Jonathan Drouin. His contract with the Montreal Canadiens is finally up this coming offseason. He will now be a UF, UFA. Excuse me. Now, there's always been a ton of uncertainty around Jonathan Drouin, highly touted prospect coming out of the QMJHL. Had one very strong season in Tampa Bay before getting traded to Montreal. Underperformed in Montreal year after year, although he was always one of the more talented guys on the team. But here we sit now in 2023, the summer of 2023, and Jonathan Drouin will most probably not be a Montreal Canadian going into next season. Where does he end up? And why? What kind of fit does he play on the next team he plays for? Is it a top six role? Is it a middle six role? Is it a bottom six role? There are so many question marks surrounding this guy, but I think the one question mark that doesn't stand is Jonathan Joy will not be a Montreal Canadian. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely agree with that. It, I'm not going to say the spotlight was a little too bright for him here, but you know he just didn't pan out to what everyone thought he was going to be as that that point per game player. And you know, obviously he de- he dealt with a lot, and we're not exactly sure what that is, but. You know, it, it's a bit disappointing that it's coming to an end like this. But needless to say, I think, honestly, again, I, I don't want to use the same team every time, but it would be really cool if he slotted in on that second or third line in Colorado. And, you know, I, I've always wanted to see him play with McKinnon just based on how they played in, in uh, the QMJHL and the Halifax Mooseheads. And I, I do think Jonathan Drouin still has, you know, an immense amount of skill. And, uh, you know, I, I think it could be cool to see him in Colorado. Look, to be completely honest with you, I don't disagree. But I think that there's a lot of, I'll call it a lot of team fits with Jonathan Joy. Strictly because of the fact that, I'll call him in this case, at this point in his career, he's relatively versatile. Because some teams might want to use him differently, right? Like I mentioned before, it might be top six, it might be bottom six. But he could play either or depending on the team. And I think if I'm looking at a few teams here, you know, I'm not saying that these are teams that are necessarily going to want to uh, run after a guy like Jonathan Drouin, but the Islanders, for example, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Seattle Kraken, these are all teams that are struggling. I'm not going to say struggling, but these are all teams that are looking to fill middle six holes, middle six gaps in their lineup. And like I said, because he's so versatile, he could kind of go, it can kind of go either way. He brings that skill and look, and we've seen it in Montreal. He's easily replaceable at times, but he could also be the best player on the ice at certain, you know, at certain points throughout the night. So with that being said, I think there's a few teams, you know, that's not going to be those top heavy teams that are going to be running after him. 
but it's going to be those teams that need to fill some holes in their middle six and really strengthen that core. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I said, Colorado would really be a cool fit just because of, you know, all the players that they're most likely going to lose this summer. And, uh, you know, do you have any other teams in mind that that you think are going to go after him? Other than, yeah, other than the Islanders and... Yeah, I kind of forget what you said. I will. I, I said. I said the Islanders. I said uh, Pittsburgh. I said Seattle. I think another team that can maybe make a run at him. And again, this is all like speculation. This is not even keeping in mind cap right now. Mm-hmm. But St. Louis, right? They're they're a young team that's trying to, you know, I won't even call it a. I won't even call it rebuild, but I'll call it retool. And again, they have a few gaps in that middle six. Look, and I think that there are some teams that could take him on as a, reclam- a reclamation project yep. as well, right? Like whether it's one of those bottom feeder teams like Arizona or even Chicago in that case. Now it's a question of if he wants to go there because he does, you know, he does have the final say at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that there's a lot of teams where he could fit. And I think that he might actually, I'm not going to say that he, I'm look, I'm not going to go out here and say that he's going to put up point per game numbers and he's going to flourish in that res- that respective environment. But I think he is a player that is going to benefit heavily from playing somewhere that isn't Montreal, where it's not his hometown, where he's not, there's not as much pressure to succeed. And if he has an off night, the media won't be in his face. And Let- I think, you know, that that's yeah. what he dealt with throughout his whole career in Montreal. Yeah. I, I was just going to jump in real quick and ask you, do you think Jonathan Drain would benefit like Max Domi did last summer? When he signed with the Chicago Blackhawks, do you think Drouin would benefit by signing with a lower tier team and getting those top line minutes? Or do you think he would be better on a team where he's kind of playing as a complementary player to, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, Colorado, like a Nathan McKinnon or going to, you know, another playoff contender that has way better players than a bottom feeder like Chicago or, um, I don't know, San Jose? Yeah. What do you think the best situation for Drouin would be? to get a bigger deal on his next contract. Let's say he signed a, a two-year deal. Right. Well, in, in, in that case, then, then I can absolutely... You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to go with the conservative approach here, and I'm going to say that he he would probably better be better off going to a team where he's playing in the range of 13 to 15 minutes a night, second power play, and second or third line. And I know that sound, you're probably saying, well, how does that benefit him? But I think for stability purposes, I think it gives him the best chance at even getting another NHL contract after his after the one that he'll get this offseason, if that makes any sense. Sure. I'm actually going to have to disagree, just based on my opinion. Because honestly, I think Drew Wayne is really going to have something to prove. And I feel like he would just... He, he's going to be... So, I'm not going to say something special, but something better if he's on a team that you know doesn't have him you know as much in the spotlight as Montreal did so now I think he can really do well on a team that's that's not doing well at all so let's say he signed a one-year deal on uh, a bottom team like San Jose I think he would really really benefit by being on the top power play and top line with let's say a guy like Hurdle even though he's not the most skilled guy in the world i just i don't know why i just personally believe drewain has the capability of putting up 50 points in a season and then locking down a bigger deal next summer 
I guess my question to you in this case, and I and I actually and I do agree with you, but I guess my question to you in this case is if you're looking at it from strictly the the possibility of Joanne receiving another contract, let's say it's make or break for Joanne come come his uh you know after his next deal expires. Let's let's call it a two or three year in this case. What if and again, it's a massive what if. I think this is all speculation. But if he goes to San Jose, if he goes to Chicago, if he goes to Arizona and doesn't put up numbers that he would be expected to put up with those teams as top as a top-line guy, then what happens to Jonathan Drouin? Honestly, I'm not sure. But I feel like if he goes to a team like San Jose, I don't really think it's a win-lose situation. I think it could be a win-win because... If he produces, that's amazing. But if he doesn't produce, you can kind of say, well, he wasn't on a good team. He didn't really have the best opportunity. Although he's playing on the first line, you know, he's still on a bottom five team in the NHL that isn't scoring that many goals, which is why I think that could be really beneficial beneficial to him. And even if he doesn't produce, I don't think he's going to the Guangdong Tigers or the Kunlun Red Star, you know? He's still an immensely skilled NHL caliber player. So I don't really think... It's the biggest deal if he puts up another 30, 40 point season. I just don't think he'll be getting the five plus million, you know? So, right. Yeah. So, so yeah, look, if we're being modest and we take the, the very, you know, mainstream AAV route and accept and, and people and teams could accept that it's, it's more of an up, uh, like an upside play here. then I'm sure that he could, he could absolutely, you know, hit, hit it out of the park. We've seen inconsistencies in his game throughout his whole career and the fact that he's not willing to work. And it's pretty obvious his work ethic is very low. But nonetheless, I think that if you're taking a shot on him for for it for a small amount, then you have very little to lose in that case. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think we should just close off Drew Wayne right now. But just to end it off, what do you think is the term at this point and what his uh AAV will be for you know, his next contract. Well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at kind of what we spoke about two or three years, give or take. Mm -hmm. I think it, I think it provides him with a little bit of security for his contract, you know, in case of whatever. And AV, I'm looking at, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it in the range of 3.5 to 4.2. Okay, that that was higher than I thought because I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a different route and say he signs a one year, three million, tries to prove himself, and we'll see what happens next. That that would also be great for him. But again, there's a little bit, there's a little more downside because if you don't, you know, show out, then your next contract isn't looking as good. But again, he has to bank on himself now, right? Yeah. He's correct me if I'm wrong, but he's 28 years old. Is he? He might be a little bit younger, but I think he's either 27 or 28 years old. And I mean, his time is running out in this league to to perform and to to play at a high level and to actually get his next payday. So it's going to be it's 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 now we're never really for Jonathan Troy. Yep, twenty eight years old, right? And uh, what was his last contract? Well, it was actually signed by Montreal. Yeah, what was the A? If I'm not mistaken, it was six. It was uh, a little north of six million. Six point two five five. Oh, five point five. My bad. With no move. Wow, what a different time it was. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it was backloaded. So I think his last few yeah. years were a little bit more. Um, but anyway, yeah, 
It's uh, we're definitely in different times now. Now it's more of a prove it deal for Jonathan Joy. But speaking of prove it deals, let's move on to the next uh, set of free agent players. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Patrick Kane is necessarily on a prove it. That's that's far from what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I am saying is that Patrick Kane, after after the New York Rangers went out and spent assets on Patrick Kane, acquired him. And I'm not going to say that he. Well, I'll, I'll say that he underperformed. I don't think he drastically underperformed, but he underperformed. There were injury concerns regarding his hip, his lingering injury issues. Is that something that teams are going to have to be concerned about going into next season? What does that What does that result in for his AAV, for his next contract in terms of term and money? Which team do you think he goes to? Why is it a good fit? You know, it's been a rumor for, rumor for a while that Patrick Kane wants to go home and honestly I just think it's the perfect time for him just based on how Buffalo's progressing and you know it looks like they're becoming a better team and can definitely challenge for a playoff spot next season although I truly believe Patrick Kane wants to win another cup and and do it now I I can really seeing see him signing you know a four-year deal in Buffalo for you know five six million and uh you know just just going home okay that's interesting and you think and you think that even considering you know what kind of young team they're trying to build around and you know you'd be throwing you'd be throwing in a 35 year you'd be throwing a 35 year old right into that mix right Mm -hmm. so look that could be viewed as as a mentorship thing it could be viewed as 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 a well we're in a window to win now but let's let's backtrack a little bit and look at well, what is that going to cost Buffalo, a team like Buffalo, who has I'm not going to say has necessarily dished out insane amount uh, insane amounts of contracts yet, right? They've paid Tage Thompson, they've paid Dylan Cousins, but they have a couple more guys. Whether it's Peyton Krebs, Rasmus Dahlin, Jack Quinn, Jack Quinn, these guys are going to have to get paid at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're locking up Patrick Kane for three years or four years at let's just say just south of six and a half million dollars. Now we might not agree on that number, but we could, I think we could both agree that market value and name value will bring him some money. Is that something that is in the best interest of the Buffalo Sabres? Who knows? I'm not saying it's not, but I think that's an interesting landing spot for sure. And what do you think about AAV? Um, I did. I, do you think I hit that on the head a little bit, a little bit south of six and a half, maybe? I think there's potential that he signs for under six, but I also think he might even sign for eight. Like it, it's just so unpredictable now. And with the cap, I know the cap's not going up that much. Just I think around two million. But I just it's hard to predict because you know I saw stat in the last three seasons he's had 215 points in 209 games. Just last year he had. Over point, I think he had around 90 points. I could be wrong with, with Chicago. And uh, he's still an amazing player. He was obviously hindered by his injury in uh, the past few months with the Rangers. But he's still, he's still a top player in the league, a, a top passer, a top uh, stick handler. So you know, it, it's going to be interesting to, to see what he does. And I also see the situation where New York wants to resign him because they definitely need some veteran presence on that team with players like Lafreniere and Kako still learning, but yeah, I don't know. It's a tough, uh, tough situation to predict. 
But yeah, I'd say those are the only two teams I see that he might go to. Yeah, I, I can honestly agree. I, I can honestly agree. I'm kind of looking at other teams and just trying to get a gauge for what might make sense. But at this point in time, here's the issue that I have with Patrick Kane. Incredible talent. Incredible, incredible talent to this day. Probably one of the more skilled players in the league. There's no doubt about that. But there's two ends to this. There's two sides to this to this story. There's the side where there's the non-competing teams. What's the appeal of going to get a guy like Patrick Kane if uh, like a guy like Patrick Kane if you're not competing? That makes no sense whatsoever. You're going to be dishing out a fat contract just to have him play meaningless games, when games that mean nothing to you. Then there's the other side of the spectrum where it's like, well, yeah, if you're a competing team, you're going to want to bring in Patrick Kane, but at what cost? And is it worth it? Now, again, I think that this is really, really, I think it's really important to keep in mind his injuries because you're not going to go out and get a guy and pay a guy who will who will be in and out of your lineup consistently. But does a team like the Rangers or Buffalo, for example, who I'll say Buffalo is entering a more competitive window, Rangers that are in a competitive window, are they willing to dish out a contract like that or contract or a contract, let's say three years at six and a half million? knowing knowing what Patrick Kane is capable of, but will he be able to deliver in his 35th year or in his 35th season, or not season, excuse me, his 35th year, 36th year, at 37th year. Now, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but Patrick Kane didn't show flashes of Patrick Kane being a second-tier guy on a team like the Rangers. Now, that begs the question, well, you know, he goes to a team uh, a team where he's the he's the number one fiddle, well, if he's the number is if he's the guy there, then it's probably going to be a bottom tier team. But if he goes to a team that you know is competing, then he probably won't be the go to guy. So I think Patrick Kane is in a really tough spot because I don't think that there's many team fits, and I think that's kind of alluding to what you were talking about. As you know, those are the two teams that you could see, and that kind of stops there. So it's going to be interesting to say the least. But I think, I think. If if I had to choose between the two, and if I had to go with one team, I think he will probably end up with the New York Rangers on a very on a much cheaper deal than we expect. Yeah. So I was just taking a look at the Rangers' salary cap, and they have a little over eleven million. So they definitely have the space for him and the next guy we'll be talking about. But yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Just to mention it, also Buffalo has about seventeen million in cap, and I know they got to resign guys in the future. Uh, Owen Power, Quinn, and Krebs, right? So. You know, they got to pay those guys as well. And maybe that, that uh, you know, changes the direction they're going in in terms of signing a veteran like Patrick Kane. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, uh, that plays out in the near future. Well, yeah, I think, look, I think that they're, you know, if we're, if we're talking Buffalo right now, right, they're going to have to pay Quinn. They're going to have to pay Paterka at one point. Let's, we don't know how much that's going to be. Guy like Krebs, guy like Rasmus Dahlin also. Let's not forget that, right? He's, mm. he's, you know, he's approaching, he has one year left at $6 million. Then after that, you know, I think we could both agree that he's probably on the, in the debate for, you know, top five defensemen in the league right now. Mm-hmm. So what's that contract looking like? You don't want to tie yourself up to a guy that might not bring you enough value at, at his dollar amount. And it's the, it's the harsh reality at this point with a guy like Patrick Kane, who was playing at an elite level two or three years ago. And even last year, right? You know, on a team with uh, on a team with Alex DeBrincat, they were kind of the the one two punch there. But again, teams are going to have to evaluate. Teams are going to have to judge based on their situation and make the right decision. But let's move on to our next 
our next free agent. Same team, same deadline acquisition by the New York Rangers, Vladimir Tarasenko. Now, Vladimir Tarasenko was in a little bit of a different situation considering he was actually unprotected at the expansion draft for Seattle. He was not taken by Seattle, and most many people could speculate that that was because of his his uh, salary cap, his his contract. He stayed with the St. Louis Blues, had a very mediocre season, but him and the GM, him and Armstrong, can both both agreed that it was time to move on. He said that he would move him if he sees fit, and he moved him at the deadline for a decent haul. Yeah, to the New York Rangers. Yeah, I mean, two seasons ago, it, it could have been three seasons ago when uh, Tarasenko went down with that injury, and it kind of ended his season right there. And then he came back and didn't play much again that following season. I thought it was kind of over for Tarasenko there, and you know he's probably seen his better days. But uh, you know he came back last season, had an amazing season. I think he had thirty plus goals. Uh, I'm pretty sure, but. Um, you know, this season wasn't anything spectacular. And personally, call me crazy here, but I think Tarasenko is pretty washed right now. I don't think he's deserving of anything more than $6 million. I think it's just all name value at this point. Just one of those players that, oh, it's Vlad Tarasenko. Oh, you think he's like an $8 million, 40 goal, 40 plus gold score. But no, it just... In my opinion, it's not like that anymore. He didn't score. I don't think he scored 30 this season. And uh, I honestly don't think it's worth it for the Rangers, although I do think he's probably going to resign there just based on his connection with Panarin. And um, yeah, I I just think he uh, he hurts teams defensively. And he's more of just a power play guy that just you know shoots the puck. Nothing more than that anymore. Look, you look back to his 2021-2022 season, he had 34 goals, 82 points, 75 games. He absolutely tore it up. A little bit, you know, he 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 kind of hit uh, a little bit of a bump in the road. He scored 30 last season, or thir- sorry, 29 points last season with 10 goals in 38 games. It's a goal every four games, give or take. Then he had eight goals in 31 games with the Rangers. Clearly his... I'm not going to say clearly, but his days are clearly winding down in terms of what he's capable of doing as a goal scorer in this league. And it's natural. It's natural, right? We're looking at a 31-year-old, right? We saw it with Kane or we're seeing it with Kane and we're going to see it with Tarasenko. But I absolutely agree. I think if we're talking about name value versus actual output at dollar at the dollar amount, then you take, then you take Tarasenko for what he is. You take him as a complimentary player on a good team. Or you, you know, right? Like you, you, you put him on a team where he can complement a first line or he can complement a second line or complement a first power play, but you draw it at that. That's where you draw the line. And, you know, to say that he'd be making anywhere over $6 million this offseason would be crazy to me, in my opinion. But again, you know, at this point in time, teams have to pay for what they want. And I, I think it would be kind of ridiculous, but some teams are, hung- are hungry for, for names, right? There's some teams that never get to see a name in their life. Yeah. No, I honestly I don't see any uh any chance Tarasenko's going to a non-competing or non-contender team. So, you know, I could see him in Washington since I know they're looking for some goal scoring and he just his name brings that. I don't know if his game still brings that, but and there's a Russian fit there too. Exactly. With and and it just seems like he's the, ty- the 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 Russians kind of like to stay together if I'm 
if I'm correct. So, you know, I can just, I can see him playing with Ovi, can see him playing with Panarin again. And that about draws the line for me. I don't know where else he fits, maybe in Edmonton, but uh, again, I feel like that might be a little bit of an overpay and they can't really afford that. So, you know, if I'm just throwing a shot in the dark, I, I think Washington would be the team he goes to. I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I think the team that's going to actually end up picking of Vladimir Tarasenko, excuse me, is probably going to... I think it's going to be a very, very random team. I don't yeah. know why. I just think it's going to be random. I don't think it's going to be any of the ones that people expect. I don't think it's going to be the Rangers. I don't think it's going to be... I'm not saying that I don't think it will be a Washington, but I think for some reason I have like you know, a team that's trying to make a push and then they think that's their dark horse move. And then all of a sudden they have Vlad Tarasenko on their team and they think that, well, now they're, now their top six is well-rounded and that's where they stand. I don't, I couldn't tell you which team I think that's going to be, but I think, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. You think there's a chance he goes to Seattle and, uh, after they skipped over him? I mean, the truth is no, not at all. I think that Seattle likes where they're at, right? They play a very team oriented game with four lines rolling at, at all times. And I didn't mean to go into depth on it. You know, it's just, it's weird because kind of just speaking to our points here that I don't think that there's many teams that have Vlad Tarasenko as a great fit, right? There's not, there's not many. Like you don't, you don't, here's the thing. When I say great fit, I don't mean great fit in terms of if you were to acquire him on a one year, $1 million contract, every single team in the league would be all over Vlad Tarasenko. But I'm saying for the paying price this off season, is it worth it with team fit in mind exactly yeah i'm in the same mindset as that right now so you know again i'm gonna say this again it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes because it's it's pretty unpredictable so it's yeah to say the least yeah and um let's round it out with two two free agent or three free agent names excuse me um and we'll just kind of talk about them all individually but all at the same time also max pacioretty michael bunting and tyler bertuzzi all unique situations and all situations we wanted to talk about for specific reasons. Max Pacioretty, who is a clear, is clearly an incredibly talented player in this league and deserves to be playing in this league, but injuries have gone in the way. Michael Bunting, coming off a couple good seasons with the Leafs, now will he be overpaid by another team? We're going to have to wait and find out. And then there's Tyler Bertuzzi, who had an incredible playoffs with the Boston Bruins was a good player on the Red Wings. But what is he going to get paid this offseason and will it be worth it for that respective team? I'll throw it on to you, Liam. Take it away with any single one of the, the free agents I just brought up. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think Max Pacioretty's situation is really interesting because I think he still has a, a really good game. I mean, he showed that in, I guess, the five games he played with Carolina. But I think he still really does have that goal-scoring ability. and. I think any team would be willing to shoot him a contract because I really don't think he's going to get that much just based off the the ACL injury. So, you know, I think a team like Minnesota can benefit from him or since they were lacking a lot of goal scoring last season and finished basically in the bottom, I think it was the bottom 10 in uh, goals for per game. So, yeah, I, I think he would be a great fit in Minnesota. And once again, Edmonton, they're always going after guys like this. So. Yeah, I think Max Pacioretty is still definitely worth it. Even if it's a two two year deal at, you know, 3 million, I think that could uh, definitely play out well for a team that's looking to contend cuz you know, I, I I say this as if I know, but clearly he's not going to go to a a bottom feeder team at 
his age. Look, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I think we're still looking at a torn Achilles, so it's definitely no joke. I He's been, you know, injury, like he's had injuries his whole career almost. He's getting up there in age. Now, I absolutely agree with you. If you could sign him to a contract, a short-term contract with a small AAV with a small cap hit, 100% you take that shot. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But there's a very, very, very fine line where I say, okay, well, now I don't think it's worth it to take on Max Pacioretty as a player this offseason. Again, if you're a contending team and you need some goal-scoring capabilities, absolutely. But there's a lot of questions that you need to ask yourself before giving or before giving Max Pacioretty the pen and paper because he could slot in for six games and finish and his season might be over just like that. And the unfortunate reality is, you know, we always joke about injuries or not joke about injuries, but we always joke about players who are riddled with injuries and Max Pacioretty happens to be one of them. And it's, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a true reality. He's injured every single season. So the team has to be careful, but is it worth it for short term and a short and a small AAV? Absolutely. Yep. I'll, I'll definitely agree with you there. And uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much more to say, but do you have a team in mind that you think Pacioretty will sign with? I don't know if I, again, I think it's kind of like the Vlad San, uh, Tarasenko uh, deal where I think he, he could be a dark horse to kind of end up anywhere. And I don't, and I think the team that he goes to, I think we'll all, that we'll all end up being like, wow, did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a couple teams that might be able to take, might be willing to take a shot on him, whether it's a Dallas stars where they're, you know, they're, they're, they're lacking that depth, that wing, and they need, you know, some top line minutes from a guy like Max Pacioretty. Again, if he is able a team like the Oilers. And again, I'm throwing out teams. I don't, I'm not looking at a, I'm not looking at salary cap right now, but the Red Wings even, right. You know, they want to, they want to uh, a little, you know, get a little bit older in their top six and also bring some scoring capabilities. Maybe even LA is looking for something on the wing. There's a lot of teams where a guy like him can fit, especially for the right price. For sure. You want to move on to uh, Tyler Bertuzzi because he's a pretty interesting situation as well. Yeah, I, I really like Tyler Bertuzzi. And I think that whichever team gets him, whether it's resigning in Boston or going elsewhere, I think they're going to be very lucky. But I think that Tyler Bertuzzi is going to end up getting overpaid this offseason. I really, really do. And I think he actually might. And I'll, you know, maybe this will be my take of the day, but I think he actually might up, end up being the on an AAV basis, might end up being the highest paid player this offseason. I think he can get more money than Kane. I think he could get more money than Tarasenko. I think he could get more money than John Klingberg, so on and so forth. So do I think that any team, I, like I said, I think any team that gets him is going to be lucky, but at what at what cost? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think Boston is going to do everything in their power to resign him. I think they're going to let Orlov walk. I think that Bergeron, if he's not retiring, if he comes back, it's going to be for basically the minimum. David Krejci, you know, I think he was signed to a two-year deal, correct me if I'm wrong, in Boston. But I think that, again, if he comes back, whether his his contract is up or whether he's staying because he's already on contract, it's very cheap. So with that being said, I think that Boston's going to do everything they can to get him back. But what is that going to mean AAV-wise? Is that going to mean almost $7 million a year on a longer-term contract? Who knows? But I think that that might be a little bit too much of a... I think that might be a little bit too 
optimistic considering that he hasn't been able to do it at a consistent pace his whole career. Sure, I'll definitely agree with that. Just uh, Krejci was actually on a one-year deal. So, so one-year deal. So it yeah. spot. So now, so now he's up for contract as yeah. well. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they've got some some holes to fill in the center position. But you know, you said Tyler Bertuzzi couldn't do it on a consistent basis, and you know, I think I'm going to dis- disagree with that because I think he's proved. I guess it's not a consistent basis, but in the playoffs, he looked amazing. And in Detroit, I honestly thought he was a pretty outstanding player based on you know, the situation of the team and who we played with. So, you know, I think Tyler Bertuzzi might be underrated and he's obviously pretty young still. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised seeing him sign a six-year deal at uh, an AAV at around seven, I guess would be fair to say. Yeah, that's where I would, that's where I would have it. Yeah. And I'm just going to throw a team out there. I think he's going to the Penguins. I think, I think they're going to do some cleaning, get rid of that Grandland contract, even if they got to pay. And, uh, you know, I think Bertuzzi is a guy who can slot in really well there, uh, be very success- successful, and, um, you know, kind of reshape his uh, his career path right now. So, yeah. And by the way, when I say when I say inconsistent, I don't mean inconsistent from a what he's capable of doing. I'm saying more, I'll, I'll rephrase and say that I think that his ceiling is not particularly high. I think that you're looking at a four... Let's say 45 to 55 point guy mm-hmm. in the right situation. Now he had an outstanding playoffs at almost a point per game. Now, is that something that he can keep up in the regular season with a team like Boston? Or if you want to throw to a team like Pittsburgh, or if you go back to Detroit and look at his times there, I think he can put up 45 to 55 points. But my question to you now, now I agree with you fully. Six years at 7 million sounds like something that he'll get. Do you think he'll he'll live up to that contract and be worth that contract? I honestly think he could. I think he could be a sixty point player, sixty plus point player, if he's in the right right uh, you know position and if he's playing with the right people. So, yeah, I'm pretty high on Tyler Bertuzzi, and I like his game a lot because he plays that that gritty style game. He plays hard, and uh, you know he gets pucks to the net, and just in the playoffs, it was just going so well for him. So I don't see why he can't recreate that again. And now let's move on to our last free agent. We'll wrap it up here with Michael Bunting. I think his situation is really, really interesting because I almost think that his numbers were inflated with with Toronto. And I think that's fair to say, considering his line mates throughout his time in Toronto. Now, I think that he plays a style of game that resembles, and I'm just throwing it back to former Toronto player here, Nazem Kadri. I'm not saying that he plays like Kadri, but I think that he has that same, that same um, balance between skill and grittiness as a hockey player. And I think that, that he's he's shown he's shown that in Toronto. Now it's really a question of if he can sustain that elsewhere. We saw with Nazem Kadri with with um Calgary that it was a little bit tougher for him to find his footing, but I think that was for the whole team in Calgary. But if Michael Bunting realistically considering the cap situation across the league and considering that he's still a player that teams are going to go after. I think we can both agree that we could see north of five million. I could see north of five million dollars for for uh, Michael Bunting on an AAV from an AAV standpoint. I don't know if you agree with that at all. Yeah, a hundred percent. He's going to be overpaid. I I don't hate his game, but you know, clearly inflated stats playing with Matthews and Marner. He is not putting that up with anybody else unless he's playing with McDavid and Drysaddle. So, you know, it, it's going to be one of those situations where a guy is going to get 
you know, four or five years overpaid. And, you know, we look back at it in three years and be like, oh, wow, they shouldn't have signed that deal with Bunting. They're going to want to buy him out. So, right. So, yeah. look, like I said, I think, I think his game is interesting. I think it could be intriguing to teams that are competing. And again, it's always at the right price, always at the right price. But the unfortunate reality is that his game is actually highly sought after. I think that they might want to, I think the team that's going to have, that's going to nab him is realistically going to overpay for him. And I think it's probably going to end up being a not so good contract down the road. But yeah. again, this is all speculation. We're kind of just, but is there any team that you could see Bunting going to in particular? Or is there, it's kind of just, I, I think he could fit in the Boston style, but I don't really know if they're going to want to sign him just because he's a winger and they might need centers. But let's say Bergeron Krejci come back, then maybe they go after him. And actually, I'm not sure just because they're going to have to pay him a lot. So, you know, it's hard to say. Maybe he goes to a, a, a team that's not as much of a contender, maybe just, you know, pushing in the right direction. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if any contending team can really afford a player like that right now. I think if I had to choose two teams right now, and I don't know if they're, I don't know if it's accurate from a salary cap standpoint, but team fit, I like Minnesota a little bit because I think that, I think that Bill Guerin was trying to build a team that was, and he said it on the 32 thoughts episode that he was trying to build a team that had a nice mix of grit and talent. And I think that that's kind of what Bunting brings to the table in a middle six role on a pretty skilled team. So that's my first destination. My second destination would be a team like Nashville because I think that they're kind of on the on the turnaround. And I think that he's a guy that could fit nicely through the rebuilding years, I guess, if you want to call it. So again, those are just two teams that I'm throwing out there trying to make sense of it. That it could, I could be completely off. I could, it couldn't, it might not even be a consideration, but that's what makes all of this fun. Yeah. I like that. And, you know, you want to do one more little segment really quick. I was just going to ask you some of the guys we didn't talk about, and I'm just going to spit out a contract and you, uh, like an AAV, and you say over under some of the guys we didn't talk Let's about. Let's do it. I like that. All right. So first, Jonathan Taves, over under $3 million if he returns to the NHL. If he returns to the NHL, I'll take the under. All right. Ryan O'Reilly, over under five and a half. I will take the under as well, but very, like very close. Okay. John Klingberg over under four million, uh, four and a half million. I'll take the over there just based off of uh, defenseman needs across the NHL. Okay. Matthew Dumba over under six million. I'll take, oh, it's a good, it's line. A good defenseman. It's a decent line. I'll still take the under there, but very, I'll, I'll say very close. All right. Jason Zucker over under four and a half million. That's a good line. I'll take. Thank you. I think I think that's going to heavily depend on uh, on a term, but I'll take slightly under for now. All right. And I know he's an RFA, but when he does sign his next contract and gets moved to a new team, Alex DeBrinket over under nine million. I think that's kind of the threshold for Alex DeBrinket. I think that again, if he gets, uh, I'll take I'll take slightly over. I'll take slightly over. Might and, be an overpay, but I think teams are going to have to get their guys, so I'll take over there. And last but not least, why not Pierre-Luc Dubois over under eight million after after next season when he becomes a UFA? Yeah, eight million. That's a great that's a great line as well. I will take slightly over as well. All right, yeah, that that about wraps it up. Well, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. That was a ton of fun. We kept it somewhat short and sweet. Forty seven minutes clocking in right now, so. Definitely not bad, but we hope you guys enjoy. Like I said, 
be sure to check out the socials. We uh, check out our link tree on Instagram or check out our, our, our you could go to habsculture.com to see all of our social media, our latest episodes and uh, where we're available for listening on all platforms, basically. Uh, so thank you guys so much for watching and listening. And uh, I hope you guys have a good week. Take care, guys.